Anybody else excited for a brand new day? Okay, okay, I like it, I like it. I'm glad that you're here. We're smack dab in this new series that we've called Dream House. And what we're trying to do is unpack where we believe God is leading us as a church for this next season of life and ministry. If you missed week one, I really wanna encourage you to go back and replay it and, and kind of understand where we are coming from. It was the foundation for what we're gonna talk about today and also the subsequent weeks. And so if, if you need to catch up on that, you can do so from our website, centennialroad.com, under the talk section, our podcast or the YouTube channel. All of them are available, and they'll have last week's talk, which is all about our mission, which is to love and live like Jesus or to live and love like Jesus. They're interchangeable and what that means for us, where we got it from and all that good stuff. Over the next three weeks, we're going to dive into the three major values that we believe are going to drive us forward as a community working in tandem with Jesus to build this dream house that he's inviting us into from our perspective. And today is all about outrageous generosity. Outrageous generosity. I remember back in 2009, I had the opportunity to share with our church family at the time something that God was leading us towards as a family, a need that we had. And as I was pouring my heart out to people, I kind of in the back of my head was like, what's the point of this? Is anybody going to actually want to partner with what we're doing? Or are we just kind of telling them why we're going to be gone for a little bit? And I was pouring that out and I was sharing that openly and honestly. And, and during that week, from that Sunday, kind of like two days later, a gentleman by the name of Phil Carr got in touch with me. And Phil was like, Jason, we have to meet. Now you have to understand who Phil was. See, I was a youth pastor at the time, and in addition to a whole bunch of other things that I was doing at that church. And Phil's kids were in our youth ministry. And sometimes Phil's kids were a challenge in our youth ministry. And so sometimes Phil and I would meet to talk about how I was the challenge in his kids' lives. You know what I'm talking about? And so Phil was like, hey, Jason, we got to meet up. And I'm like, really? Of all the weeks, Phil, come on. I love Phil. Phil is a great guy, but sometimes those conversations were challenging. It was a short, brief conversation. I popped by his office. He handed me an envelope. He says, and, and he's like, in it is something that I need to give you. I drove home. I read it. It was a little bit of a note. And he said, sometimes when you speak, the people that are listening are actually hearing from God. And it was a, it was a significant investment into our family and what we were headed towards and what we were planning for in that year. It was outrageous generosity. It was outrageous generosity from an unlikely source. Have you ever been the benefactor of some outrageous generosity? Like something that maybe just made you stop in your tracks and go like, oh my goodness, this has got to be from God. It could be a sunrise. That's outrageously generous to wake up, see a sunrise and just marvel at it and go, wow. It could be a miracle on the health spectrum that you've been waiting for. It could be that next job. It could be a restored relationship with a supervisor, a spouse, an estranged family member of some kind. We experience this generosity all over the place. And sometimes we just don't know what to look for. We think it's a small sliver of something instead of the, the abundance that's, that's available when we think about generosity. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to dig into that a little bit further from a biblical perspective and what we believe 
Jesus is inviting us into as a people, not only to receive outrageous generosity, but to provide and to give outrageous generosity wherever he leads us to do so. So if you want to hop on that version app, you can click on the events section right now. You can go to all the sermon notes, or if you want to go old school and you've got a digital or sorry, an analog paper Bible, turn with me to the, the book of Luke chapter 21. We're going to read a little bit of a story from the life of Jesus, this moment that he had that he and his friends witnessed and see what we can uncover together about generosity. Chapter 21, the first four verses in that chapter. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. That's a stark picture of generosity. Sometimes we can read that and, and, and there's a preacher that gets up and, and starts talking about that particular text. And we're like, oh man, he's going to hit us over the head with the money talk. That's only one small part of generosity. In fact, there's multiple parts of generosity. We're going to get that in, into that for a moment. Let's just recap this scenario that Jesus and his disciples witnessed unfolding. They were at the, the church, the synagogue, the epicenter of the cultural experience in their day and time and age. Maybe something that we would call our community center or maybe our downtown core Right, the hub where people would go to for socialization and, and just kind of hanging out and also being uh, benefactors of whatever was produced from that community and that environment. And so they're in that space and they're witnessing what's unfolding. And they've got rich people, people that have an abundance of things and they're coming by and they're dropping in different sums of money into the collection box. And they seemingly go unnoticed. And then you've got this widow and she drops in two small coins, and Jesus points that out, and he marks a difference between the two. And he's actually not talking about the amount that they're giving. He's talking more about the why, their motivation to give. See, as an act of worship, I think that this, this widow is like, I, I've got to trust God with everything right now. If I don't have him in my life, I don't have anything. I can't provide for myself. I can't find a way forward. I can't do all that stuff. I'm going to trust God with all of it, all of who I am. And I was expressed in the form of these two small coins, exemplifying everything that she had. Whereas the other folks, they were giving out of their, what the text calls us, the surplus, the overflow. And Jesus highlights this, this widow in a most interesting way because I think it speaks to what we're all about here and what we're pressing into as a church community, this fact of outrageous generosity, giving everything that we can so that Jesus is more known than we are known. See, I kind of wonder if, if sometimes those, those rich people were trying to, to give to the collection box. And, and you got to understand, like, it was like the collection box was like the middle of the community. It wasn't like tucked away on the side. It was like where everybody could see what was going on because you wanted to make sure that nobody was going to uh, take from the collection box. They were going to just give to the collection box. So kind of a security measure in place. And sometimes when we choose to give, we, we, we do that because we want 
to be affirmed. We want to be seen. We want to be noticed for what we are providing. And that's where our motivation gets a little bit skewed. We're going to talk about generosity from three facets. We're going to talk about our time. We're going to talk about talent. We're going to talk about treasure. Let's talk about time for a moment. This, I think, is the most precious resource that we have been given on the earth. And the why behind that is because it's finite. None of us know how much time we actually have. We might have tomorrow. We might not have tomorrow. We might have 15 years. We might not have 15 years. We do not know whether or not we are going to be around in this next season or in 25 years from now. All of us are marked by an expiry date. Now, that sounds a little bit pessimistic and a little bit sobering, but it's true. In this human form, you and I will not live forever. But our spiritual lives, our souls, are meant to live forever. So with the finite amount of time that we've been given here on earth, it is an opportunity for you and I to invest that with outrageous generosity. See, sometimes when we are asked to give our time, to serve in some area, we get a little bit hesitant because we're like, ooh, I don't know if I want to invest my time right now because I've got so many other things I'd rather do or responsibilities. And sometimes those are good distractions. I mean, many of us invest some of our time at our job so that we get something in return, a, a paycheck, right? Many of us do that. We don't have a universal wage or anything like that. Not that I'm advocating for that. We don't have that in our culture. And so we have to give some of our time to get something in return. And so we, we live in this kind of economy where we're investing our time. We're expecting to receive something back for our investment. Unfortunately, when you, when you think more about outrageous generosity and you look at these two kind of sets of individuals, this young widow or this widow and this, these, these rich folks, there's a polarized reality between their giving, their investment. See, the rich folks were coming by, and like I said, I, I imagine that they were looking to be seen or noticed for the amounts that they were investing, for the ways that they were investing. And this window, this widow, she just, she's like, I, I gave everything that I had because I had nothing else. I'm going to give everything that I can because I have nothing else to give. This is it. This is all. This is my everything. And it speaks to the motivation behind why we do things. So when we think about investing our time, we have to think about why. Why are we investing our time? Why are we wanting to serve in this area? Or more importantly, why are we not wanting to serve? And why are we wanting to do something else? What if you and I, what if you and I had the opportunity to use and invest the time that we've given, been given, as finite as it is, to partner with what Jesus wants to do in the form of outrageous generosity in somebody else's life. See, when Phil handed me that envelope that day and I read it later on, it was not only a signal of the investment from their family into our family. It was a signal that, yes, we were pressing into the right thing that God was inviting us into as a family. And sometimes we need that kind of affirmation when we're taking steps of obedience to serve God. Imagine this in our next-gen world. Our teenagers and our young adults here at Sea Road, they are amazing. 
Like, they are some of the best teenagers and young adults on the planet. I feel like I can say that because I've known thousands of young adults and teenagers in my short lifetime. They are the cream of the crop. They are amazing young men and women. And we have some incredible volunteers who are investing their time weekly into helping them grow and develop and discover more about Jesus. Isn't that amazing? I mean, we've been given a resource right in our hands of these dormant world changers that we now have the opportunity to invest in with our time. That's incredible. That's incredible. But we have to choose to invest. And I think if we're honest, some of us, we're a little hesitant to invest in our church community in some way because we're afraid that if we do, the asks will never stop. Come on. You know, you know you're thinking about it. Right? See, we have a dream as a staff. We have a dream that we would have an abundance of volunteers wanting to serve in a variety of areas that our asks would be palatable, would be digestible. You think about our Sunday prep teams, what we would love in our worship, in our tech world, what we would love in our next-gen community, working with our early childhood, our preschool, our nursery care, our elementary school, we would love to have an abundance of volunteers so that your investment looks like this, a once-a-month commitment. That's it. That's our dream. That's our hope. That's our desire. In order to get there, we all have to collectively start to invest. Now, there are some other investments in our church community where the ask is a little bit more, like working with teenagers. It's a little bit more because teenagers, there's a lot more involved with a teenager. You know what I'm saying, right? It's a weekly commitment of a couple of hours. What I'm saying is that there are opportunities, despite what we think we might have in terms of a little or a lot in terms of time. There is a space and there's an opportunity for you to serve, even for those of you who have remained disconnected and online only, disconnected in the fact that you're not here in person in some way. There's an opportunity for you to serve and invest right where you are. The question is whether or not we want to invest our time, whether we want to give what we have or whether we're waiting for an abundance and a surplus and then to start giving. And when, it's, when, it, when we're talking about time, we're always going to be waiting for that abundance and the surplus. There's only 24 hours in a day. There's not 26 and a half. There's 24. It's a finite amount of time. And when we start investing, when we start giving, we participate with what God is wanting to build, not only in, in our church, but through our church and around our church in the broader community if we're willing to invest our time. But that's not the only thing in terms of outrageous generosity we can uh, focus on and talk about. We're going to talk about talent. Talent. Now, there's two parts to talent. There's talent that you and I are naturally given, natural ability, whether that is to, to speak, whether that is to play an instrument, whether that is to design things, whether that's to think through problems and problem solve. There's all sort of natural talent and ability all over the place. But then there's another part of talent, and that's the part of talent where you and I work to develop and grow it. We call it out of us. Believe it or not, when I exited my mother's womb, I did not have the ability to cook. It was so weird. 
I could not provide food for myself. I was completely and utterly dependent on another human being to provide it for me. Isn't that weird? But over the years, I have learned to cook and develop a passion for cooking. I really enjoy it. And yes, that makes me a little bit weird, and I am 100% okay with that. It's something that I've had to learn through trial and error, testing out different flavors, testing out different recipes, different ideas. And my kids are the greatest testers of all because they are really honest and transparent. They will give you instant feedback. It's a wonderful thing, most often. What I'm saying is there's some natural skills and abilities that you and I all have. That might be connecting with people. That might be working with numbers. That might be a whole conglomerate of things. But then there's the other stuff that we have to work at. We have to grow. We have to be trained. We have to develop. And when it comes to investing in, in a church community, in a broader community context, in a movement that God has created, it's the same exact thing. There are things that are going to be easy for us to do. And then those can be things that are a little bit more challenging. And when we face a challenge, what do we do in that moment? We need to recognize that there will be an opportunity for us to learn and grow and develop and be trained in that talent. Let me give you an example. Some of you may not be super tech savvy. You might be like, I know how to turn something on and I know how to turn something off. But I'm willing to learn more. With that opportunity, with that willingness, with the bringing whatever it is that you have, we can train, we can develop, we can grow that talent. We can help you learn. And as a church family, that's our responsibility to call that out of you and empower you to flourish in your personal life, in your corporate communal worship life, and in your everyday moment life in between those spaces. What a privilege and an opportunity that we have. But newsflash, we're not always going to get it right. Because we are flawed human beings. And we're going to be, at times, incapable of providing exactly what you need, but we'll be able to give you some of what you need. So it's not a commitment to perfection, but it's a commitment to an opportunity and a relationship and an invitation to pursue that. And as we invest our time and our talent, we can watch what God is going to do in us and through us and around us. Then there's a final part of generosity. And here it comes. Yes, it's the treasure part. It's the money. It's the resources. We've all been given different things at our disposal to different varying amounts. Let me say this, the amounts don't matter. The amounts don't matter. They matter to us, they don't matter to God. What he's looking for is a group of men and women, young and old, who are willing to give whatever they can and invest that in God's kingdom. And then as you invest in our church community in a variety of different ways, your time, your talent, and your treasure, it's part of my responsibility as your lead pastor and then a broader responsibility as our staff and our board to use all of that wisely. And we've got a dream for what that means for us as a church. I call it a 70-30 mindset. What we want to do 
is we want to get to the place where we are comfortable, where we are making sure that we are living on only 70% of whatever resources we generate as a community so that we can invest 30% in this outrageous generosity mindset that we're running after. It'll allow us to do things locally that we never thought could be possible. Different missional initiatives. It'll allow us to partner with our denomination and our district in, in ways that, that we are going to be completely overwhelmed and inspired by. And it'll also allow us to partner with what God is doing on an international stage by serving missionaries and different missional agencies throughout the world that are doing exactly what we want to do right here, which is love and live like Jesus. That's our hope and that's our desire. That's what we want to be about. We want to be known as a group of people that are outrageously generous because Jesus is outrageously generous. See, when you look at the life of Jesus, he held nothing back from us. Not one thing. He gave everything. His death on the cross was the most gruesome, excruciating, painful thing I think anybody could ever experience in our world today. He poured out every ounce of his bodily fluid so that you and I would never have to experience the sting of death, which is eternal separation from God. And he poured that out in abundance so that you and I had the opportunity to know that we are loved and that we matter to God. Isn't that amazing? One of the coolest things that happened earlier this year is a big move towards this 70-30 generous mindset that we are pressing into as a church. We no longer make mortgage payments. Isn't that amazing? And here's how we got there. Because some of you might be thinking, wait a minute, I'm a numbers person, and I, knew, I know we owed a significant amount of money on our mortgage. What did you do? We didn't just make it disappear. We didn't just ignore it. But here's what the reality is and how that plays out for here, our, our, our church community. We have a long-term renting tenant in our building. We rent some office space to our district, a couple of offices, a couple of people, Our former lead pastor here, Pastor Eric, is our district superintendent. He lives and works and breathes in one of those spaces consistently. And so he got a brainwave one day and he's like, you know what? What if Jason and I got together, we had a conversation about what it could look like to have some sort of different mechanics around our finances between district and local church. And out of that conversation came this idea that our board enthusiastically received where this long-term tenant is just going to pay off the remaining debt. It's going to take them nine years. And then after then, we're going to have a surplus of money available to invest in a variety of ways. So we stopped making mortgage payments in April as this agreement went into place. And here's the cool thing. From that point on, we were able to do something that God had been inviting us into for a while, and that is pressed into a missional multiplication called the Outpost Cafe happening in Prescott that, Lord willing, we're going to be able to open the beginning of October. And all of those funds that were directed to that mortgage 
a, a huge portion of them are now directed to that initiative to get off the ground and get running. So why do I share all of that with you? First of all, to encourage you that your investment and your giving continues to pay dividends in ways that we can see and ways that we do not yet see. It's an amazing thing. But additionally, I share that because I want you to understand, we, we haven't seen a massive increase in people giving. It's been a hard season through COVID, right? Overall, we're down about 3%. 3% overall of what we would expect our people to give and invest in terms of just our resources, our treasure. Now, it's, it's been upped in other areas. Our talent, our time, it's been amazing to receive that. But just from the treasure standpoint, we're down about 3% overall. But even with that down, we're still able to multiply and invest in the way that God wants us to because we are trying to our best of our ability to use all these resources wisely. I share all of that to you because I want to be completely transparent about where we are going as a church and a community. We want to make Jesus known in our region. And we believe that's going to mean making different hubs all throughout our geographical area so that people can get to know Jesus and encounter him through outrageous generosity. And as people walk into this cafe in Prescott, they're going to be greeted with radical hospitality and outrageous generosity. If they don't have the ability to pay for some items from our menu, you know what we're going to be able to do? Give them to them for free because they matter to God and they matter to us. That's just a small snippet of what, what it looks like as we pursue outrageous generosity on a personal and a corporate level. It's a massive mindset shift. And the mindset shift is from scarcity to abundance. From scarcity to abundance. Maybe you've heard this phrase before. I don't know if I have enough time to fill in the blank. That's a scarcity mindset. What if I were to tell you that God has given us everything that he, we need to accomplish everything that he is asking us to do right now? I wholeheartedly believe that. When God stitches together communities and families and friendships and people groups, he doesn't stitch them together without everything in mind. He sees the immediate picture. He sees the past picture. He sees the future picture. He gives he gives communities everything that they need to accomplish what it is that he's inviting them into. And so I 100% believe we already have what God has provided for what he's inviting us into. We already have it. But we have to, our role in it is to invest it. In terms of our time, our talent, and our treasure, it's our role, it's our responsibility, it's our act of worship to invest whatever we have. And the problem is we sometimes look at what we have and we're like, but it's not enough. But it is what you have. Just like the widow. Two small coins, large sums of money. Right? Two small coins and large sums of money. If you look at it pragmatically, 
You're like, oh, the people who gave the large sums of money, that's more helpful, that's more beneficial. Jesus flips the scripts and he says, no, 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 no. She gave what she had. So whether that's 30 minutes a week, whether that's an hour once a month, whether that's two hours on a weekly basis, whether that's 15 hours over the course of a year, whether that's what you can give right now in terms of your, your income and your investment, maybe it's 1%. Maybe it's 10%. Maybe it's 15%. Maybe it's 3%. Maybe it's like, I, I, I've got this passion for photography and I want to learn and grow in that. Maybe it's a passion for working with kids. Maybe it's a passion for working with teenagers, learning tech, learning lights or sound or anything like that. Whatever it is, what is it that you have to give? Whether you are five years old, 35 years old, 95 years old, or somewhere in between, you have something to give. And if we want to collectively and individually pursue outrageous generosity, it starts right there. With whatever we have to give, in whatever capacity we are able. And when we do that, that's when the miraculous happens. God takes it, he breaks it, he blesses it, and he multiplies it. Our little becomes significant in God's kingdom because he, he takes what's little and he makes it something greater. Every little bit. And a scarcity mindset, that shift from there to the abundance mindset is recognizing that every single thing that we have is given to us as a gift. Every single thing. Even the hardships and the challenges. They are still a gift that we've been given to grow and develop something inside of us that could be life-changing, not only for us, but for people around us. So the question is simply this. Will you and will I choose to live generously to the best of our ability in every possible way because of the way that God has first loved us. Would you pray with me? Father, what an absolute privilege and honor it is to partner with what you want to do in our world, in our region, in our city. It's this humbling, sober reality. And the humbling and the sober part, Father, is that you don't need us, but you want to work with us. You love us. You care for us deeply. You're passionate about a relationship with us. You're also passionate about helping us become who we've been created to be. And as we emerge from this funk that has been a global pandemic, Father, we are, are redefining, rediscovering our purpose as a church, our purpose as individuals, our purpose as a culture, and God, we want to steep that in your kingdom DNA. And one of our dreams, Lord, is that we would be outrageously generous, just like you. So would you help us to bring the way that we use our time, our talent, our treasure into focus, to adapt to the mindset that rejects scarcity and embraces abundance, 
And that doesn't mean that we're going to get more when we give more. That doesn't mean that. It just recognizes that whatever we have is what we can offer. And God will do the rest. So God, we, we collectively and we individually, we want to declare that today. Would you help us give of our time? Would you help us give of our talent? Would you help us give of our treasure so that your name would be made known in the hearts of those who do not yet know you? Thank you for the wisdom and the insights that you provide. Thank you for the provision that you consistently bestow upon us. Father, would you speak? Would you move? Would you encourage Would you inspire? Would you bless us and protect us? Make your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Grant us your favor and your peace. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.